Listening to Culture Matters, a podcast of the Village Church. This is David Roark filling in again for Josh Patterson. On today's special holiday episode, you'll hear from various members of the Village Church staff sharing their favorite things about Advent. Then we'll have a conversation about Advent, what it is, and what's at stake in practicing this Christian holiday. Uh, one of my favorite things about Advent is just kind of this idea that over the over the four weeks leading up to Christmas, the church is engaging in this season together universally, uh, kind of expecting about this hope that God will come for us. And so I think about often when I'm here at services at the village, uh, engaging in worship, that there are believers in Uganda, in Papua New Guinea, in China, in South America who are participating in the same hope. Because sometimes during the year, it can feel like we all have our sermon series going, our specific things that we're engaging with our culture. But during these four weeks, we're all engaged together saying Jesus Christ came and Jesus Christ will come again. As a little kid, I used to get up in the middle of the night um, and go downstairs and see if Santa had brought presents. Um, and it highlighted kind of this waiting and this magicalness of the night. Um, and as I grew out of that, um, I still get up in the middle of the night on Christmas Eve um, and just sit in the silence because it feels like um, I think part of it's mourning my childhood and, and missing that, but then also being reminded of, um, of a much greater hope and a much greater present. And I just find something um, really magical about the quietness of everything and knowing that everyone's kind of um, in the same place um, and just sit there and enjoy that time. My favorite family Christmas tradition growing up was that my family would take turns on who got to read the gospel story from Luke chapter 2. And as we've gotten older and we've had our own kids, now we have young kids reading the gospel the same way I did when I was a kid. And listening to their young faith, their young heart, and their young reading ability walk through the gospel story has been a beautiful encouragement to my own heart to see generation after generation in my family planting a new family tree that I hope will flourish into faith for generations to come. My favorite part of celebrating Advent um, here at the Village Church um, is just that not growing up with celebrating Advent, getting to teach children and the connection between um, Christ's first coming and his second coming. And so really um, just being able to commend to the next generation and that reality has been so encouraging for me um, and I enjoy that a lot.
This is David Roark. I'm here with Kyle Worley, Caroline Smiley, and JT English. All these individuals are a part of the Village Church Institute. And, uh, you know, we are officially in the holiday season. Advent has begun. I know that as a dad of a three-year-old and a 11-month-old, I am uh, neck deep in it, really thinking about it this year in a way that I haven't before. Um, you know, Santa conversations, um, all those things that come up and are now right in front of me now that I'm a dad and having to think about it. So um, there's just a lot to think about and talk talk about when it comes to Christmas and Advent. And I uh, just wanted to have a conversation with these individuals today. Um, specifically, we want to talk about Advent. And I think before we jump into that conversation, it's helpful for many of those who didn't grow up in a church that's more traditional, just celebrated Christmas, they may not even be familiar with this particular um, language of Advent. So can we talk about what is Advent? Where did it come from? What's the history? I think that would be a good place to start. Yeah, I'll kick us off. Um, So uh, when we use the word Advent, it comes from a Latin word, Adventus. That word just means coming or arrival. Um, And I think it's helpful to distinguish between Advent as an event that has happened and is going to happen again in Advent as a part of the church calendar. Right. So Advent as an event, when using a Christian kind of a context, is particularly talking about the first and second Advent. So the first Advent being the coming of Christ in the incarnation, condescension of the Son of God who took on flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, when we talk about the first Advent, we're, we're normally talking about it in the kind of Christmas season, but that word really is more indicative of a day, and Advent's more indicative of this kind of period of time that stretches before that Christmas day, where we celebrate that Christ event, the incarnation. But then there's the second Advent, and the second Advent is the second coming of Christ. Uh, and to kind of move from the event to the season of Advent, uh, the church season of Advent is a part of the what the church is called the cycle of light, which is the cycle that is leading up to Christmas, beginning with Easter. Um, and uh, this cycle of light, and particularly the Advent season, has historically been um, much more concerned about bringing the second Advent of Christ, the second coming of Jesus Christ, into our present moment right. by reflecting on his first coming. So the passages often that you would read even in an Advent season are passages like Isaiah 65 and Revelation 20 through 22, passages that are really focusing our vision on the second coming of Jesus Christ that we read into the present moment. And that church season was established in like officially in 650 AD with Gregory the Great. So it's been with the church for a very long time. Very long time, yeah. Yeah. And so Christmas itself is is the culmination of Advent. It, it ends with Christmas in terms of celebrating the holiday. But as we think about Christmas, culturally speaking, um, I think that we think of Christmas as the Christian holiday, you know. But in many ways, it seems like Advent, a traditional practice of Advent, is more Christian and more holistic and more full, as Kyle's explaining. Can y'all talk about that? Like, is 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 Advent more Christian than our traditional concept of Christmas um, and maybe the way that we grew up thinking about it. 
Yeah, I think it depends on what you mean by the traditional concept of Christmas, right? If you're talking about the traditional concept, the way the church understands Culturally, it. Culturally, yeah. So I like think it's- in a contemporary sense, the way that we're uh, just in America celebrating Christmas, is that kind of what you're getting yeah, after? Yeah. yeah, I mean, so Advent is one of the things that certainly does restore us in the traditional way the church has thought about this Christmas time. So uh, Kyle mentioned this just briefly, but Advent, focusing on the first and second coming, really led up till December 24th, and the church wasn't thinking about Christmas yet. It was December 25th, ultimately, where the church said, it is now when we, we start uh, you know celebrating the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, as an infant born of the Virgin Mary. And so what's interesting is is this the, the term that was used by the church as Christmas tide has really crept into our Advent season, right? So we're we kind of start so, so like one I heard a, a pastor talking about this the other day. We we really don't know when to start celebrating Christmas anymore. And so so like I have a, I have a manger at my house. Like it's this little you know kind of setup that my grandpa made it for me. He's a craftsman, and so we put it on our table, wow. and we only have a uh, a little. Uh, I'm not even sure like a like the. Um, Gerber baby, no, yeah, well, what, whatever off. it is, it's like this. Uh, what what was the word I'm looking for? Like the where the hay, you know, where where Jesus is laying. We only have one with Jesus already implanted in it, and so when we set it up a few weeks ago, I, I kind of realized to myself. I'm already celebrating the arrival of Jesus Christ, even though he wasn't here yet. And so I had heard this pastor talking about, you know, Advent. Ultimately, we should have these these manger scenes that we have the option of not having Christ there yet. And he's placed there on Christmas morning because that begins to story us in this idea that Christmas shouldn't be creeping in into, you know, uh, right after Thanksgiving onward to December 25th uh, in the, the traditional way that it does. But ultimately, it should be beginning at a certain time. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're already well, talking – go ahead. A major theme of Advent is waiting. So to Kyle's point, um, we're in this tension between the two comings. And so we enter into um, the waiting of the Israelites for the arrival of Jesus or for the Messiah. And so I think that you can't have Advent without Christmas. So we definitely, um, of course, we want to push back on um, kind of the celebration of winter as a whole that creeps into Christmas. But you but the whole point of Advent is that you are waiting for Christmas because if we're thinking about our hope of the second coming of Christ, um, we want to remember that or remember forward or set our hope on the first coming of Christ. So we enter into the same longing that the Israelites felt, and then we celebrate what they, the hope that came for them, and that reminds us of the hope that's coming for us, the, the day when everything sad will come untrue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I, uh, I think uh, Advent uh, is probably, if we think about this in terms of our songs and the songs we sing in the season, right. Advent is, is probably point. more O Come, O Come, Emmanuel mm-hmm. than Silent Night. And Minor yeah, that's Key. Right. right? Yeah, so there's a sense of uh, almost dissonance in yeah. the season of Advent, kind of a, a, a sense of um, things are not as they should be, but we have a sure and certain hope that they one day will be. That's a great point. I don't think we should be afraid of kind of living in the tension of what is the biblical story, right? We, I think one thing that we need to learn as we start telling the biblical story is we don't always have to be telling the full story, that there can be tensions that we're living in, because the reality is we try to share the gospel with people. They're living in these tensions already, whether they could articulate it or not. And I would, I would even say that we it's not about not telling the whole story. I would say that it is telling the whole story. I think sometimes we jump to the good news. That's what I mean. And we jump to, jump to the good thing rather right. than sitting in what is it? 
really central piece to that narrative, and that's yeah. the the darkness yeah. of it. And I think that that is something we tend to miss in this season. Exactly. Light is me. not light unless there's a dark that precedes it. And you just think about the canon of Scripture as we end with the Old Testament period, Israel being restored to the land, but God not dwelling among them, and that was their hope. Ultimately, as this temple has been built, that God would dwell among them, and they would be celebrating and living as the people of God, and it didn't happen. And they live for 450 years in silence, kind of with this posture that Kyle mentioned of, O come, O come, Emmanuel, would you come among us? Would you come be with us again? Uh, and and we're, I think we're maybe afraid sometimes as Christians to live in that tension because we so desperately do want to get to the good news that we forgot that we forget to actually kind of spend seasons in this and that form these these uh, habits and characteristics of waiting patiently upon the Lord. Yeah. And, What's and, interesting. Yeah. Well, jumping, kind of jumping it forward, forward a little bit is that I feel like at Christmas is when um, we feel the tension of the world is not as it seems because we're constantly being, um, there's just a constant barrage of advertisements of this idyllic scene or this idyllic family or this idyllic way of celebrating even Advent. I feel like there's this pressure as a mom to say, well, I have to have all of my Advent stuff organized and something to do every day that pushes them to Christ. And then there's a sense of failure all the time because it's not quite that. And the dinner party isn't quite right or whatever the the thing might be. And so even in our trying to celebrate Advent, I think we sense our own frustrations. Um, and so it's important, I think, all the more for us to talk about that theme of Advent so that we can all kind of sit in that together and not um, be feeling frustrated or isolated on our own. Yeah. In defining Advent, we're already talking, you hear us talking about story, calendar, and I want to talk about how Advent is liturgical, how it's formative. But I think before we can have that conversation, I want to bre- talk briefly about liturgy. And I know we've talked about this term, this idea on the podcast before, but in order for us to talk about Advent being liturgical, I think we need to define liturgy, what that is, and set that up well. And then I think we can make that connection. What What is liturgy? And maybe even how does it connect to Advent? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, So first off, just like big picture, or I guess broad picture, liturgy is just a word that means work of the people, okay? And it's used in a Christian context to talk about uh, practices, embodied practices that reinforce a story, that help kind of cultivate a kind of spiritual muscle memory, if you will, of trying habits, to, of habits, yeah, of habits. These practices they form us, and one of the ways that the church calendar has sought to do that, speaking specifically about Advent and that our lighting of the Advent candle, these things that we do in this season, is it works to reclaim time and space because we often think, as we live our own lives, that we're kind of the authors of our own story. But what Advent tells us, like what the church calendar constantly telling us is that actually the world we belong to is God's world, uh, and the time that we're living in uh, is not separate from Bible times, quote-unquote. It's all God's time. Like, we're a part of the history of what God's doing, and what Advent does is call us in to that time, to that season, um, and say, hey, this is reminding you that you don't belong to your own time, you're not the author of your own story, you belong to something that God is doing. So all of the practices and the rituals and the habits and the posture of Advent is one that's kind of calling us in to this embodied practice that's forming us by reclaiming what we think is ours, which is time and space. Yeah, that, that's a, I, I think that's a really helpful way to define it, but I would even 
uh, point make the point, which I think you'd agree with, that it's impossible to not be liturgical, right? right. Everybody's participating in liturgical embodied practice. It's just more a matter of, as, as Christians, we should be thinking about, are we participating in these practices intentionally in a way that shape and form us into the image of Jesus Christ? And so it's impossible to not be participating in these kind of embodied things that make us who we are, like habits. Uh, so what we're trying to do specifically in this time of Advent is we're trying to create this liturgy that reminds us of God's story that shapes and forms us into the image of Christ. Yeah, because there are a lot of other stories as you're getting at in the fact that we're all liturgical. There's so many other narratives and stories competing for our time and space, as Kyle's talking about, which in turn compete for our affections, our imaginations, our desires, which therefore shape really who we are. And so, I mean, and so, it's, it's, yeah. So this could be kind of fun for a minute. Like, let's think through, because you were asking, you asked a good question earlier about some of the, like, traditional Christmas stories that are being told. Not, again, not not distinctly Christian Christmas stories, but just some of the, the things that have crept into what we traditionally think about Christmas. So maybe let's walk through a few of these stories that the culture is telling us to live in. And maybe some of the, like, let's just brainstorm. What are some of the embodied habits that kind of come along with these stories that we're all going to be feeling and probably have the... The, the proclivity to start participating in during this Christmas season. So one of the first I can think of is like the story of romanticism, right? So we all want to be living in this story of deeply sent, like we deeply feel, we're deeply authentic and the good life is kind of this idyllic picture of being able to be authentic with those around us and our family and friends and we have this kind of picturesque Christmas. Anybody, anybody identify with that one? Oh, yeah. Dinner is perfect quality time. The conversation is top-notch. Everything just contributes to a very emotional, authentic experience. Yeah, and I think it's very interesting how that – and I think this is going to be true of a lot of the narratives, how they, a lot of them come back to a narrative of consumerism as mm-hmm. well. So those things are very tied together when you see this picturesque you know, dinner around Christmas or these people and these advertisements wearing – you know, Christmas attire, you know, I guess winter clothing. Um, it's just interesting how I think wrapped into all of it is really just this message of consumerism as well. Yeah, so the story that's told to us every single year around Christmas time is you do not have the things that you need to have in order to live a happy life. You don't have the the car with the bow out front. You don't have uh, this new, you know, toy that your kids need and they're not going to be fully satisfied unless you go buy it on Amazon for that. So we're, we're kind of living in this tension of, and again, what's important to note is, is that story is told to us every single year at this time, habitually, and that shapes and forms us into a certain kind of people. Uh, another story you could probably talk about is the story of, of like rationalism. And so, like uh, we're living kind of in this post-Christian age where we have a huge portion of the population that is no longer believing the Christmas story or the Advent story. They're kind of believing skeptically about the traditional past, about what what Christians historically believe about Jesus. So you'll have, uh, for example, some of the habits that are formed like uh, the History Channel, the Discovery Channel, playing these documentaries that have finally figured out that, well, Jesus wasn't actually born of a virgin, right? He was born of a young girl, or or Jesus uh, wasn't actually, uh, you know, who he said he was. He was married to uh, Mary. And so we have like this sense of rap. People at Christmas time no longer want to participate in the myth that they believed when they were kids. They want to show themselves to be enlightened individuals who finally kind of progressed to this state of, I know better than that silly myth that all the Christians are participating in. And I mean, I know I have family members. They're going to be participating in that liturgy this year. 
Yeah, that and a lot of uh, you know um, institutions that claim to be churches or claim to be Christian will trivialize the incarnation as well. It just becomes an event of oh, it's supposed to be a sign of hope in a dark world. But the reality is, is the Christ event is uh, is will not allow itself. That's right. To be marginalized or trivialized in that mm-hmm. way. And that's why some of the – even some of the cuteness with which we kind of talk about the nativity or Jesus is a very clean presentation. We like that right. because it doesn't confront us very much. It doesn't confront our sensibilities. But when in reality, the Christ event is uh, incredibly confrontational. That's right. Because he's bringing the kingdom of God to bear to disarm the rulers and authorities. There is no hope in the midst of a dark world uh, without the actual reality and historicity of the Christ event. Yeah, so I think one of the things that it would be really helpful for us to remember, this is, you know, kind of maybe taking this out of the clouds a little bit, but like think about our neighbors, our friends, and our family members who are going to be uh, just thinking about what this Christmas season means for them. Perhaps they're not Christians. Is that every single person in the world is looking for a story to belong to because stories are the things that help us make sense of the world. They help us know what character we're supposed to be playing and they, they help us know how we're supposed to live in everyday world, what jobs we're supposed to have, who we're supposed to marry, the kinds of people that we're supposed to be. And so many people are going to be grasping for a story that makes sense of the world for them this year. Like they're going to be desperate for a hope, desperate for something to cling on to because without that story, the world doesn't make sense to them. And so what the church is trying to do with Advent and then eventually with Christmas is to tell them this is the true story of the world. God has acted in history on your behalf in the person and work of Jesus Christ in his first coming, and our hope as Christians is in his second coming, that he is coming to restore, reconcile, and make all things new. For you guys personally, I'm just curious, and and this isn't even on the notes here, but um, you know, our church um, sort of corporately is um, entering into this season, and this year we've continued our Exodus series, and in the past we've done specifically series on Advent, and we create an Advent guide. I would say that we, we're slowly beginning to, I feel like, make this more of a corporate thing for our body, but you specifically as individuals, and y'all all represent families here, what are some things that you do to participate in Advent every year? Um, so my husband and I sit down, um, every night. I mean, we read stories to our daughters before they go to sleep every night. I think pretty typical for parents. So during this season, um, we read, um, Advent readings out of the Jesus Storybook Bible. Um, and we go ahead and light our candles, Advent candles every single night. Um, and so we just do something a little bit different. Um, and we, uh, we also don't pressure ourselves to get it right every single time. We know that, I think that there is a, uh, you can, walk into the stores and see a number of different ways to celebrate Advent. And so we try to be simple um, because we just want to communicate the the simple message of simple and yet profound message of the gospel um, to um, our daughters. And so we like to do that in the candlelight with the Jesus Storybook Bible. Yeah, one of the personalities, this one might sound a bit trivial, but when, when you think about Advent, what is it trying to create in us and in me is this posture that Kyle already mentioned of waiting patience upon the Lord. And so one easy way that like if you're totally unfamiliar with the Advent tradition and the liturgical calendar is think about what are you and what are your kids most excited about this Christmas season? And if we're all honest, it's probably those presents that are going to be underneath the tree, right? Like let's just be honest. Those are the things that we're excited about. Like my mom asked for a Christmas list for me. I'm 31 years old and I was eager to give it to her (laughs) and I'm eager to see what's going to be underneath the tree from my wife. And the same thing's true with Thomas. Like I, so I have an 18 month old son and, and we put we have a few presents under the tree already and he just 
beelines to him every single morning because he wants them so bad. And one of the things that I'm trying to do as a dad is to show him, Thomas, we don't get to open those yet because it's not Christmas. And so again, it might be a bit trivial and silly, but like that's an easy way to begin shaping and forming the habit of patience, of waiting upon the Lord because this present isn't for us yet, but God does have a time for us to have it. And we're waiting on that. And so that's something everybody who's listening to this could do. Something like that where we're saying, wait, it's not time yet. That's good. Yeah, and I think two things are important in that is, and, and Caroline hit on one of them, and that's we're going to get it wrong. We're going to make mistakes. I mean, we started an Advent book with our little girls, and we realized that we were already like three days behind, you know, <laughs> um, because I just – things were busy, and we had fallen behind, and we got caught up, and everything's okay, and we're back in it. We might get behind We're still again. not. We probably won't ever <laughs> catch up. Yeah. So, I mean, I think realizing that and I, I think that, that you sort of miss the season of Advent if you're so set on pr- getting, getting it perfect. Yeah, getting it perfect. And then on the other hand, I think that it, this conversation and talking about story and these different narratives just should remind us of how important it is that we do get this right and that we try to get this right as Christians because I think there is a lot at stake. and. And it all sort of comes to a head, you know, this season with like, you know, in November or I guess even in early in October now, you know, you're starting to see advertisements and all these things and these narratives just come front and center in a way that, I mean, they're always there and they're always competing for our desires and our affections, but I think that they're there all the more. And so we have a real opportunity with Advent to sort of fight against that and restory ourselves toward the gospel story in a a really helpful way. Mm -hmm. Um just kind of ending this conversation, um, this podcast particularly, it's called Culture Matters now. The idea is to think about how we see culture, how we interact with culture as Christians. Um, why is Advent so important? And even more than that, the the liturgy, the, the church calendar, why is that so important for the way that we interact with culture as Christians? When I'm thinking about our jobs, I'm thinking about the the movies, the art that we see, we talk about um, our political engagement, which you know is, is is a big deal right now in the United States. Obviously, um, how does it do that? Man, I feel like there's so many things that we could talk about here. Um, I've kind of several running through my mind, but I'll, I might just choose one of the easy ones. I mean, I think one of the things that Advent does, as it relates to how we as Christians engage with the culture, is Advent gets it kind of reminds us that we're certainly there's opportunities for us to engage individually as as kind of individuals with culture, but Advent reminds us that we're participating with a much, much, much broader, beautiful tradition than just ourselves or just our local church. This is tying us to Christians of the past. It's tying us to the entire Christian church of the present and of the future, and that we get to engage as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ with our culture, not just with not just by ourselves. And that, as I think about cultural engagement and ultimately culture making, we're reminded that the church is called to that task together, not by ourselves. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I feel like um, Advent helps situate us, like I've said, between these two great realities, the two greatest events and realities in human history, in cosmic history, which is the first coming of Christ and his second coming of Christ, which we know to be certain on the basis of the first coming. And so as we sit here, I think that does affect our posture as we participate in all manner of discourse in our country right now. And we think about the kind of um, real messianic hope that we just witnessed in, in a presidential election of we need a savior, the world needs a savior. That's a hope that people express in very visceral, very public, very tangible ways. There are still protests going on right now because somebody didn't get their 
hopeful Messiah into office. And so that kind of messianic hope, it still permeates and penetrates every crevice of the cosmos. And as Christians, we get to exercise this opportunity and this privilege, a birthright of our new birth in Christ, to be a contrast people with the world. And Advent helps call that out. I mean, helps call us into this contrasting way of being in the world at this point in the year, of calling us in to say, like, you are going to look different. This season should look different for you as a Christian because you belong to this people. That's good. And uh, that's going to inevitably set us apart. It, it's going to. But what's neat is that at the same time, uh, we are all celebrating the holiday season. Even my friends who are Jewish are coming home for Christmas, and we're planning times to get together. And so we have a shared experience with our friends who um, who aren't believers or who don't think about Advent the way that we do. Um, and so I think we're entering into a really special time. It's kind of a thin place where, um, you know— the stories that we live into, we live into them all the year round, but this is a particularly unique time where it all comes to a head. And so we have an opportunity um, to live differently, celebrate Advent differently um, on display, and then to invite others in um, and to take advantage of this time where it does feel like the supernatural comes close. Um, and so we can um, we can touch on that. There's some pressure points that come up um, that create an incredible opportunity um, for hospitality, for talking about the coming of Christ, for doing something um, different, holding out a hope, um, a light in the darkness. That's good. David, would it be okay if I um, just kind of concluded this discussion with a reading from the book of Church Order, the prayer for the second Sunday of Advent? Would that be okay? Absolutely. I think it captures kind of a, a lot of the tone of what we've been talking about. So this is from the book of Church Order. This is the prayer for the second Sunday of Advent. This is what it says. Merciful God, who did send your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation, give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer who lives and reigns with thee and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. I grew up in a family that doesn't practice Advent in, in the ways that we practice Advent. And so um, being a part of now, being adopted um, in God's family, um, practicing Advent now with that family has become really, really sweet. And the traditions now that I've shaped with my home group, um, with the girls that we kind of light the candles each week and we read the Advent guide, these things that I didn't practice when I was growing up and I didn't practice kind of even early on in my Christian walk that I now get to do with these women who I care a lot about. Um, it's just really sweet. And it's a good um, reminder just that I am a part of this family of God that God's brought me into and continues to kind of knit my heart with Him. So I love that part. Favorite Christmas tradition uh, actually started whenever I got married. Uh, my wife's family would get together every weekend and would read an ad, a portion of Advent stories, uh, which culminated in the gospel story. Uh, and ever since then, we took took that on whenever we got married, and we do that as well. Uh, every Christmas, we, we read it, and now with our son and one on the way, we look forward to being able to do that together uh, with our sons and teach them the tradition, and hopefully they carry it. 
I grew up celebrating Advent, so my childhood memories of Christmas center around gathering as a family, lighting the candles, opening the Word, and talking about the birth of Jesus. I think my favorite thing now about Advent is getting to recreate those same traditions and memories with my kids and getting to watch their little faces and their little hearts begin to understand the significance of Jesus coming to earth, uh, wrapping himself in human flesh, knowing what would happen on the cross at the resurrection, um, and even knowing there would be a second coming, getting to watch them begin to understand that and have hope and confidence in that. Um, it's been really great to even do something called the Jesse Tree. And so every morning we've been reading scripture, kind of coming since Christ came from the line of Jesse and kind of going through the descendants, um, the kind of genealogy toward Christ. And then every morning we put a little, uh, my, my one and a half year old puts a little ornament onto the tree, um, which represents that genealogy that's coming toward Christ. And so there's almost this kind of expectation that's built in toward Jesus coming. And so we're real excited about doing that every year. And really having that be the fabric of Advent for us is remembering and anticipating. And then the celebration that comes at the at the coming of Jesus, knowing that all those men prior could not do what the what the promised Messiah knew that he would do. All the music from today's podcast came courtesy of our good friends at Folk Angel. You can find all their music on iTunes or at folkangel.com. This is our last episode of the year. Until then, if you have any questions, let us know on social media using the hashtag AskTVC. See you in 2017. God bless. Oh.